This morning, I'd like you to turn to uh, Judges chapter 6. Judges 6. I'd like to speak to you about the call of Gideon. Just a little bit of background. The book of Judges is a sort of um, a book that's in between. Uh, Israel have now come into the promised land. Uh, Joshua has brought them in and they've taken the land. And it's before Saul and King David. So we're in this period where Moses and Joshua are no longer the, quote, the leaders of the nation. And it's before Saul and David and other kings come. It's in that period, it's called the Judges. It's called the Judges because when there was a national emergency, God would raise up individuals, men and women, who would come and would lead the nation. In other words, they didn't have a king. They certainly had the priesthood, of course, God ordained, but they had no king. Each of the tribes would have their own civil service, if I'll call it that, to look after themselves, make sure the dustbins were emptied and all the other things. Um, but there was no king. And the theory is, that the reason is that God was to be their king. They were to be a theocracy, government by God. I mentioned the nine o'clock service. I remember Pastor Wynne Lewis, who is a fond memory of so many. I remember him saying to us in a group, he said, um, I believe in a theocracy. And we were all very impressed. And he said, yes, and my name's Theo. <laughs> and uh, did he? Yes, he was very good at that. And... Um, so it's a period of no king. And so we have these judges that are raised up. And this is the call of Gideon, who was called to a national emergency. I'd like to do two things this morning. I'd like to talk about why they were in the mess they were and how God raised a man up to come and rescue them. So I'd like to read from uh, Judges 6. You should have all found it by now. Great. Again, the Israelites did evil in the eyes of the Lord. And for seven years, he gave them into the hands of the Midianites, because the power of Midian was so oppressive, the Israelites prepared shelters for themselves in human clefts, caves, and strongholds. Whenever the Israelites planted their crops, the Midianites, Amalekites, and other Eastern peoples invaded the country. They camped on the land and ruined the crops all the way to Gaza and did not spare a living thing for Israel, neither sheep, nor cattle, nor donkeys. They came up with their livestock and their tents like swarms of locusts. It was impossible to count the men and their camels. They invaded the land to ravish it. Midian so impoverished the Israelites that they cried out to the Lord for help. Verse 11. The angel of the Lord came and sat down underneath the, the oak that belonged to Joash, where his son Gideon was threshing wheat in a wine press to keep it from the Midianites. When the angel of the Lord appeared to Gideon, he said, The Lord is with you, mighty warrior. But Sir Gideon replied, if the Lord is with us, why has all this happened to us? Where are all his wonders that our fathers told us about when they said, did not the Lord bring us up out of Egypt? But now the Lord has abandoned us and, and put us into the hand of Midian. The Lord turned to him and said, go in the strength you have and save Israel out of Midian's hand. Am I not sending you? But Lord, Gideon asked, how can I save Israel? My clan is the weakest in Manasseh and I am the least in my family. The Lord answered, I will be with you. Go and strike down all the Midianites together. That's the, the, the wording for the next phase of Gideon's ministry. All the Midianites together. I need to pray. Father, we ask you now to help us not only understand your word, that's relatively easy, but the hard pit is applying it to our lives that we might become more like Christ. 
We pray that the same Holy Spirit that has inhabited this service and helped us in our worship of the Lord Jesus Christ might help us now, both the speaker and hearers alike, to hear your voice. Amen. Amen. This story begins in a very low point. Israel have been invaded. You can see from the story there that the Israelites did evil in the eyes of the Lord. And for seven years, God gave them into the hand of the Midianites. Because of their behaviour, because they had broken covenant with God, God said, okay, the Midianites are going to come in and I'm going to use those ungodly people to teach you a lesson. Now, God wants us, God loves you so much that He want, doesn't want you to stay the way you are. God is always proactive in our lives to make us more like Christ. The important part about this is the opening words, they did evil in the eyes of the Lord. So they didn't do evil in their own eyes. If they thought what they were doing was evil, they probably wouldn't have done it. But what was evil in the eyes of the Lord? The covenant was very simple that God made with Israel. I'll be your God. And you basically keep the Ten Commandments. No idols, tell the truth, no murder, etc. in that. And they failed to do it. They began to worship the gods of the Amorites whose land they lived. If you're with us last Sunday evening, we looked at Joshua where the people promised not to do that. We will not do it. And we had to throw away the idols, but there we are. So God is coming to them now and he's saying to them, listen, this is what has happened. They did evil in the eyes of the Lord. You see, they could pass a law tomorrow, either United Nations or whoever, and um, that said stealing was all right. Well, it wouldn't be all right because God's word says thou shalt not steal. And if we take our standards from the world outside and not to condemn them or judge them, if we took our standards from out there, I'm afraid that there are a lot of things that they approve of that is evil in the eyes of the Lord. Not in their own eyes, not in the intellectual's eyes, but in the eyes of the Lord. And so Israel were challenged with this. This is what's happened. This is why you've been invaded. This is why your crops have gone. Your livestock's been taken. This is why you're living in caves and everything else. Because you did evil in the eyes of the Lord. And God basically said to them this, you want to live as if I don't exist, then you can live as if I don't exist. And the minute God took his hand of favour off them, the Midianites were just waiting to come in. In fact, God says he handed them over to him, that handed them over to the Midianites that they might learn. And so that's where we're at. Israel are at a low point. Economically, um, the land was invaded. They took all the crops. Militarily, they couldn't defend themselves. Nationally, they lived in claves and strongholds. And it was a very, very sad point. So God used this sinful nation to bring his people to heal. Then we get to verse six. It tells us there that Midian so impoverished Israel, they cried out to the Lord for help. There comes that point where they cry out to the Lord for help. It took seven years for these boys to wake up and realise that to live God's way is the best way. And that's whether you live in the Old Testament or you're in the New Testament as we are, it's still the case. Our covenant is different. The basis of our fellowship with God is different, far superior. But at the same time, if we do evil in the eyes of the Lord, we can expect a loving God to come along and say, Gordon, that is not acceptable. I'm going to have to teach you. And whom the Lord loveth, he chasteneth. Whatsoever a man soweth, that will he also reap. There are certain principles here. And in this story, we see a lot of the principles that God has laid down. Now, a lot of us are very keen on the promises of God. Nothing wrong with that. Know them, claim. I used to have a book 
called All the Promises of the Bible. There was a set of books, all the kings and queens of the Bible, all the promises of the Bible. There's nothing wrong to know all the promises of the Bible, but if you don't know the principles by which God works with, those promises are null and void. In other words, you can say, oh, God wants to make me rich. Well, I don't know if he does. I hope he does, but you'll have to talk to him about that. Okay. Um, but he doesn't want you to become rich by robbing banks. Now, if you're robbing banks, please stop after the offering. <laughs> because things, you know, we just, I'm, I'm, I don't come cheap, you know. You know, you really end that way. So the principle comes first. And we see the principle here. The principle is if you live without God, don't be surprised if God lets you live without him. Doesn't mean he says he's forsaken you, you've lost your salvation, we won't get down to all that. It basically means is like, get on with it. How often did my mother say to me, you'll learn the hard way? You'll learn the hard way. I, don't do that, you'll learn the hard way. And I learned a lot of lessons the hard way. Remember my school reports used to come home. I went to secondary modern school in Greenford. And um, I remember my school reports would come home and my mother would cry. And then my father would come home and I'd cry. <laughs> it, was, uh, it was just, you know, you just knew when to get out of the house. Um, well, Israel had a school report. Not only could they do better, they weren't doing anything at all. They didn't even work well under supervision. That's it. And they're in this. But they cried out to the Lord. That's where he wanted. That's where he wanted them to come to. The whole point of the seven years was to get them to come back and say, God, we need you. Now, please, don't get spooky on me. There may be things going on in your life that you've been blaming the devil and it's God trying to get you to come back in line with his word. So, oh, well, the enemy's having a go. I, you know, the enemy's having I've got no friends. What's God doing to me? I've got no friends. The devil's... No, no it's not the devil's fault you've got no friends. You might not be very nice. <laughs> Have you ever thought of that? Years ago, they used to say, to get a letter, write a letter. Sometimes, you know, we can do a lot ourselves to be more Christian in our behaviour and our ways and, and get involved, do something. Anyway, moving on. Okay, so they cried out to the Lord for help. Now, if I was writing this, I'd have gone straight to the call of Gideon. I thought, oh yeah, Gideon, great. Let's get this, let's get these Midianites. You know, if you help you think about Midian, they're like Millwall supporters, you know. No Millwall supporters here? Yeah, lovely, lovely, are you? Oh, no. <laughs> anyway, they're not, they weren't the people. Anyway, that went wrong, didn't it? Anyway, <laughs> that's my season ticket gone for there. Um, but they came and they, the, my attitude would be, cool, let's get a, a, a saviour in. Let's get a rescuer in. Let's get Gideon on the ball. But no, they cried out and wanted, Lord, will you send somebody to get us out of this mess? And God said, no, there's something I need to do first. And it's in verse seven. When the Israelites cried out to the Lord for, because of Midian, he sent them a prophet. They didn't want a prophet. They wanted a deliverer. They wanted a big lad with an army to come and kick the Midianites out. God says, no. When God sends a prophet, it's because he wants to say something. You know, prophets that don't say anything aren't prophets. You've got to say something. I, I do a bit of Bible teaching, then if I stop doing that, I'm no longer a Bible teacher. It's, uh, and God sent the prophet, and the prophet said this, this is what the Lord God of Israel says. I brought you out of Egypt, 
out of the land of slavery. I snatched you, what a great word. I snatched you from the power of Egypt and from the hand of all your oppressors. I drove them out before you and gave you their land. I said to you, I am the Lord your God. Do not worship the gods of the Amorites in whose land you live. And then the indictment came, but you have not listened to me. Before God went on to deliver them, he wanted them to understand why it happened. Now that's a loving God, isn't it? He wanted them to say, look, before I call Gideon, before Gideon comes and gets rid of the Midianites, once in all, all of them in one go, it's an amazing story, I want you to know why this has happened. Why you lost your farm, why you lost your house, why you're in poverty, why these things are happening. And he sums it up, the prophet comes in, this is what God wants you to know. He says, I want you to know, you have not listened. Must be getting old, I'm reminiscing. How often did my parents say to me, oh, well, I told you, you wouldn't listen, would you? You wouldn't listen. And it's the same thing, God's saying, you didn't listen. I told you what would happen. You and Joshua, you stood there. Joshua says, who will you serve? Who will you serve this day? As for me and my house, I will serve the Lord. The people said, we will serve the Lord. And before we know it, I don't know what the years are. I figured I should have maybe looked that up. They were back being idolatrous and the Midianites came in. And God wanted them to know, before I set you free, before I do the miracle, this is the prince, another of the principles, I want you to understand why it's here. It's because you did not listen. Now, may I just say, and not in an aggressive way at all, if God is saying something to you, and that's very subjective, I understand that, um, and you know it's God, and you're not listening, don't come to the pastoral team and tell us the Midianites have arrived. <laughs> because we might just be busy. If, he said, if God is telling you to forgive someone, do it. In fact, God, he doesn't have to tell you, the scriptures tell us, but you know, if you have stopped reading your Bible, start again. I remember when I was pastoring a, one of my first churches, one of the leadership was in hospital and I went to visit him at the smallest church and then um, our visitation was most of my life really. I had not a lot else to do. <laughs> and I went to visit him and he said to me, I know why I'm in hospital. I won't mention his name. Um, uh, in hospital, I said, yeah, you've got appendicitis or whatever it was. He said, no, no, no. God's put me here. And I'm thinking, oh, you're a lovely, godly man. What? He said, no, no. I'd stopped praying and reading my Bible. Things at work were so busy. I just didn't have time. And God's put me here to teach me that I need to make time to read my Bible and pray. Now, that's how God spoke to him. Don't fall out with me about it. That was his revelation. So the Midianites for him was appendicitis. <laughs> Anybody got a pain down here at the moment? Because we're not going to pray for you because we want you to have it. We want you to wake up. You say what I'm saying, the Midianites, because you have not listened. Is this the call of God? It might be. I, I, I'm not even going to try and suggest what it might be because you'll just pick something that's cosy and go with that. If God's speaking to you, do it. Because the Midianites will be only too pleased to come and mess up your Christian life for you. Okay, so they've, they've, they've sinned, they've been judged, they've had the prophetic word. Now God's going to come and deliver them. 
It says, the angel, verse 11, the angel of the Lord came and sat down underneath the oak. Uh, it says there where Gideon was threshing wheat in a wine press to keep it from the Midianites. Now, I'm not sure whether this wine press was underground or above ground. Um, it, it was a big, probably a stone area where all the grapes would go in and people would jump up and down on the grapes. I've, since I saw that happen, I've never drunk wine since. <laughs> no, no, I, I don't. But, you know, and, that's, and so he was out of sight. That's the main thing. Here we have Gideon out of sight in a wine press, threshing the wheat, trying to get some... Um, Enough bread for his family, possibly. Okay. Now, if I'm in a good mood, I think to myself, what a smart lad. He's used his initiative. Why do it in the open and let the Midianites see me doing it and they'll wait till I've finished it and they'll come across and pinch the bread. So I'll hide. I think that's in a good mood. If I'm in a bad mood, I think, well, what a coward. Where was his faith? Why wasn't he boldly standing up there and showing the world? And, uh, uh. Well, I've got to tell you, there's more of Gideon in me at this point. So I'm actually in a very good mood at the moment. You wouldn't believe it, would you? I am. I mean, this is a good mood for me. And he was there. So I think 10 out of 10 for initiative. He's in the wine press, threshing the wheat, just getting on with it, using his initiative. He's not attacking the enemy. He's in fear of the enemy. So we're not going to give him a big round of applause other than he was a smart lad. Okay, and then the angel turns up, the angel of the Lord came and sat down. And it says there, the angel of the Lord appeared to Gideon and said, the Lord is with you, mighty warrior. Well, it, he wasn't a mighty warrior. He was hiding. He, was any, he might have been a smart lad, but he was anything but a warrior. He was anything, and here he is. And God comes in and says, you know, Gideon, mighty warrior. No, no, God didn't say Gideon, mighty warrior. He said very simply there, the Lord is with you. The Lord is with you, mighty warrior. And that's what turns, if I could say, people that live in fear into Gideons who deliver nations. Now, we're not expecting you to deliver a nation, but we are going to bring a challenge before we're finished. And it's this, that the Lord is with you. When you know God is with you, you have a confidence now, again, sorry, I, just, I don't mean to sound hard. We need to be very wise when we say God is with us. We, you just can't say it if he's not. Just because you've got an idea, don't try and bring substance to your ideas by attributing to the Lord's name to it. Check it out. But the Lord said, God is with you, O mighty warrior. So the fact that God commits himself to us turns us from a fearful man into a mighty warrior. And of course, this was a prophetic statement. He wasn't a mighty warrior. He was anything but. Well, how is he going to respond to that? Again, I'd like to say, Gideon said, hallelujah, praise the Lord. Let's get to Bible school and get prepared. But he didn't. He came in. But sir, well, at least he was polite to an angel. But sir, Gideon replied, verse 13, if the Lord is with us, why has it all happened to us? where all his wonders our fathers told us about when they said, did not the Lord bring us up out of Egypt? But now the Lord has abandoned us and put us under the hand of Midian. Now, God ignored that question. God ignored it. God did not even answer it. He didn't answer it on two things because the prophet had explained what had happened. Now, whether he was aware of it, I'm sure he would have been aware of it. It would have gone round the nation what was said. He was aware of why it had happened. 
but he actually changed what the angel said. The angel said, the Lord is with you, right? Gideon said, if the Lord is with us. That's not what the angel said. The angel didn't say the Lord is with you as in the nation. He said the Lord with you. He changed it to us. God was not with the nation. They were backslidden. He was going to bring them back if God is with us. And I think that was a, a little size. You may not agree. By the way, it's allowed not to agree, you know? And, uh, but don't, don't send me emails about it. <laughs> I'm just really, I'm not that interested, you know? But he comes and he, he does a sidestep. If the Lord is with us. He didn't say that. I said, the Lord is with you. And he looked around and there was nobody else there. That's why you should read your Bible on your own because if God speaks to you, you know it's you. Oh, I tell you what, friends. I tell you what, yeah, you've got to do it. If I said this morning, there's someone in this church who's a rotter, you'd say, I know who that is. But if you're reading your Bible on your own and God said, there's a rotter here, <laughs> and you look around and you can't find Gabriel or Scott, then it's got to be you. And I'd, God, I'd rather God spoke to me on my own about my faults than in front of everybody else, wouldn't you? Well, I would. You may be different to me. So he flipped it a little. He said, oh, if God is with us, and he got all a bit like the woman at the well, and said, oh, should we worship in this mountain or that place? Oh, God didn't even answer him. God didn't even respond to it. He basically said to him, the Lord turned to him and said, go in the strength you have, Am I not sending you? And there we have the key for the mighty warrior. God promised to be with him and God said, I will be sending you. The two there. And there we have it. But the little gem, I believe, is the words, go in the strength you have. You see, if Gideon waited till he was strong enough, he would never have been strong enough. Now, please, my home church was in South Harrow, South Harrow Full Gospel Church. Cannot say a bad thing about it. Absolutely fabulous place. Only had one pastor, George Rutherford, loved it a bit. So this is it. But I was brought up on revival is round the corner. You know, walk, keep close to God because revival's on the way and if you don't, you'll miss it. Well, I've got to tell you, if revival's round the corner, I'm living on a roundabout. Because <laughs> 40 years later, 50 years later, you know, stop there. 50 years later, I'm still waiting for revival. Now, RT's coming soon. He knows all about that. But I certainly don't. But you know, it's waiting. And I, I as a teenager, I wanted to serve God. I'm sorry to use a personal illustration, but you know, I could have waited. I could have waited before I went to Bible school. I could have waited till I was married or waited till this or waited till that. And not, I don't know what would have happened in my life. Sometimes, friends, we've got to go in the strength we have. We postpone things. Now, if you're openly sinning and you're, you're rebelling against God, you stop where you are till you've sorted that out. The Midians are on the way. But if you've got a genuine heart to serve God, go in the strength you have. So, well, Gordon, I, I feel I should pray more. Yes, you should, but go in the strength you have. Well, Gordon, I feel I need more training. Yes, but go in the strength you have. Gideon wasn't told, right, well, if when you've learned to sing or you've learned to play the guitar or when you can teach like RT or you can do, you know, then you, we've got a space for you on the team. Gideon says, you're the boy that's going to get rid of these Midianites 
and you're going to do all at once a tremendous miracle. But he wants him to go in the strength he has. We've been postponing too long. We postpone. My wife occasionally criticizes me. It's hard to believe, isn't it? That, that anybody's wife might say anything other than affirmative to him. But she says that sometimes there are certain jobs I procrastinate with. Now, I thought that was a medical condition. <laughs> but it seems I have been known to put off things, and mainly to do with tidying my office. I don't know why it's my office, but there we are. Um, and I hope she didn't hear that. Um, putting it off. Gideon wasn't given a chance to put it off. Gideon, I know where you are. I know you're frightened. Gideon, I know you're not the superstar and all the rest of it. But whether you like it or not, boy, I've chosen you. And you know, we've got a year, we've got a year, forgive me, we've got a year. We've got a week of vision coming up next week. And we want this church to move up to the next level. Whatever that, I don't know what that level is. I wouldn't be so arrogant as to drive in here whenever I come. I'm always very grateful for the invitation, may I say, uh, highly privileged to drive in and tell you what the next level is for this church. I can't, but I do know what the next level is for each of you individually as you go on to the next level with God. Some of you have stopped, I've mentioned some of you have stopped reading your Bibles. You're not going to move to the next level until you start reading your Bible again. Some of you have stopped praying, giving. Some of you have stopped giving to the church. Well, come on. There are certain things. Now, don't pick one of them out and put a magnifying glass on it and say, I'm teaching anything other than the words I'm saying. But you know, sometimes to go to the next level, it's not the, the great famous evangelist coming in and laying their hands on your head. It's not. It's you deciding. Do you know what? I'm getting out of this wine press. This church is going to the next level, whether you're part of it or not. I believe God's decided, and I know Colin and the team have decided, that we are not staying where we are. We're going to move up. Now, you want to be part of this. How does this church move to the next level? By expanding the ministry team? No, by you and I, who are part of this fellowship, stepping up to the next level. And Gideon, I'm sending you, and I will be with you to the next level, where you go in the strength you have. I remember, um, I used this illustration in the first service, I remember years ago when I was passing the Derby Church, um, our, the foyer of the church was straight onto the street and it was an area back then which was very much a drinking area in Derby and we had a, a concert on for charity and um, I wasn't involved in it. Obviously anything that involves singing, for some reason I'm never on the rotor. <laughs> Basically because I can't sing. See, some of you are maybe a bit sad that you've never been asked to preach well, may I just say, it could be the same reason I've never been asked to sing. <laughs> right? Let's be mature. But there's things you can do I can't do. And we all got to do what we can. Anyway, that's another story. And I was on the door and the concert was taking place. And for some reason, I was left on the door. And I'm going to use the gentleman's name to honour him. Um, um, sorry, I'm on the door. And some, I think three lads, I think it was three lads. At my age now, I'm always put a little disclaimer in. I think it was three lads turned up. And they were obviously had a drink. They weren't drunk that they were falling over because I would have just helped them. But um, they'd certainly had a drink, but not still a bit threatening, really. And I'm saying to them, look, you know, we're not coming in. This isn't for you. It's a kid's thing. And you might think, oh, what a terrible thing not letting them in. Well, they're not coming in to wreck the meeting. Anyway, that's it. That's, I lost some of you. That doesn't matter. Um, 
in that. And I'm, I'm doing all the body language. No, fellas, it's not for you. And try not to make eye contact and all the rest of the things. And um, I'm telling them if they come back on Sunday, they can have tea and sandwiches. <laughs> Imagine telling 20-year-olds who are full of lager that I've got tea and sandwiches on offer. <laughs> That's really going to swing it, isn't it? Anyway, after a few moments, and I'm standing in the doorway, and I'm trying to look. I mean, you didn't see me in my prime, did you? <laughs> I, I feel sorry for you. You've seen me as I'm fading. But there was... Are you in your prime? Oh, oh Lord, help. That man is deluded. Anyway, I'm standing there and I'm basically trying to... You're not coming in, lads. The rest of it. And then they turned and went. And I thought, I've still got it. Oh, look at the pose I took then. I've still got it. You know, they saw how tough and strong I was, how athletic. I'm talking 30 years ago, you know, and they went. And I, I thought it was me. And I looked behind me, and one of our deacons, a, a, a good man, Fred Lewis, was stood there. Now, Fred was a cash and carry, he had a cash and carry business. And he, he thought it was amusing. In fact, I mentioned this at his funeral, that to shake hands with you and crush your fingers. <laughs> Have you ever met people like that? And so you'd shake hands with him. How are you, bro? And you thought, I won't be taking communion today. I'm going straight to the orthopaedic department of the Derby Hospital. Great guy. Used to get me tickets for football. Anybody that gets me tickets is a good man. And he was stood behind me like this. Now, he was a, a big fella. My mother would say a stout, but, you know, stocky man. He was like this. And he was grinning at these lads. And his grin said this. You'll get past that squirt. <laughs> Moi. Notice how the French is rubbing off? Moi. But you'll not get past me, boys. You see, I thought I had dispelled the Midianites. I thought, oh, I've still got it. I might have lost the hair, but everything else is still there. And you know who it was? It was kind Fred. Probably heard something, came out to see what was happening and decided never to leave me nor forsake me till the business was done. He was there. I thought I brought the victory, but really he did. And you know, there are going to be times in my life when I'm going to think, wow, do you know, I didn't do a bad job. And I'm going to look over my shoulder and Fred won't be there, but the Lord Jesus will be. And he said, Gideon, I'm calling you. And Gideon, I'm going to be with you. So why don't you move up to the next level? Why don't you get out of that pit and go in the strength you have? One little illustration, I'm, I'm very conscious of time. Um, I'm going to move over to the steps. If you can't see on the, the screen, well, I'm sorry. You know, sometimes and uh, that we, we, to go to the next level, I'm just looking at the camera here. You know, if the, the, here we are. The church is on this level. Nothing wrong with that. This is where we are in God today. Right. Now, some people think, oh, after the vision week, we're going to be all the way up here. One big step. Now, Colin did three steps in a, a moment ago. Was it three? He did four. All right, okay, don't rub it in. <laughs> Colin 
went from here to there. Now, two things would happen if I did that. <laughs> One would involve an ambulance, and also my trousers would rip. God is not expecting you to go from here. Here to there. He's not. Now, if you've got more faith than me, well, use it. Don't burden me with it. I know this, that God wants you to go from here to here in the strength you have. And when you get there, God will give you grace to go to here. And when we get here, he'll give us grace to go here and here and here. So don't get burdened. Yeah, thank you, Lord. And if, if this vision week just makes us aware of that, don't try to jump too high. Gideon, the first step Gideon had was to get out of the wine press. That was his first step. Second was he had to go home and sort out the family business and the family. Then he moved up and then eventually the Midianites were gone. So we're asking you as a church, we're not saying, oh, come back in revival. Come back, you know, and you know, all the rest of it. No, let's get to the next level. Now, for some of you, I, I, this is the great thing about this message. It, it applies to everybody because I don't know what step you're on. But as a church, we're on, and if we're going to move up, if this church is going to make an impact. Please, there are other churches making impacts for Jesus. We're not so arrogant as to, but I'll tell you this, we don't want to be the church that doesn't make an impact. And we'll acknowledge other churches and what they're doing. Of course we will. If they're honouring the Lord Jesus, so are we. But friends, please, let's move to the next step. Now, I'm, I'm not with you for a few weeks, but I'm back again, which is a very kind invitation. And I'd love to think that you would come up to me and say, I've moved up a step, Gordon. I won't ask you what it is. It might be putting something right with someone. It may well be something to do with your own personal devotions, your own personal life. It may well be that you have felt God was calling to be involved in the children's work or youth work or something. And you're going to get involved. You're going to go to the next level. I don't know what it is. It's no point in telling me. I can't do anything about it. Only you can do it. And if this church goes up one level at a time, I tell you what, this year is going to be fantastic. This year is going to be fantastic. And it won't depend on who the preacher is or who's doing what, although we thank God for the team. I've said that constantly. It'll be because we together have decided that Midian is finished and that we are going to serve the Lord. And we're not bothered about Fred being with us because we know Jesus is with us.